1947, two shepherd boys accidentally discovered what are known today as the Dead Sea Scrolls. These writings are a collection of ancient Jewish texts dating back to the 2nd century BCE and contain apocalyptic writings, battle plans, and astrotheology, among other subjects. Today we'll be examining the history of the Essenes, who are the mysterious, monastic, and apocalyptic authors of these texts, and the writings that they left behind. I am Xavier, this is the Godcast, and let's jump into it. Historical context, Second Temple Judaism, 6th century BCE to 70 AD. No religious movement begins in a vacuum, and the Essenes are no exception. In the year 539 BCE, Cyrus the Great freed the Jews from the Babylonian captivity and issued a decree allowing them to return to their homeland in Judea. At this time in history, Iran was ruled by the Achaemenid Empire, a Persian dynasty with a largely Zoroastrian population. When the Zoroastrian Persians freed the Jews from Babylon, the Jewish rabbis came into contact with the Zoroastrian Magi, or priestly clergy. With this contact came cross-cultural exchange, and many Jews began to adopt Zoroastrian ideas, as evident in the post-exilic books of the Hebrew Bible, that is the time period after the Babylonian exile. According to Ezra chapter 1, Verses 1-4, through four, Cyrus the Great encouraged the rebuilding of the Second Temple in Jerusalem. This marked the beginning of the Second Temple period that lasted from the 6th century BCE until 70 CE, when the Romans destroyed the Temple. The Second Temple period was characterized by its new brand of Judaism, which emphasized Zoroastrian concepts. Unlike the pre-exilic books of the Hebrew Bible, such as the Torah, which made no explicit reference to heaven and hell, the bodily resurrection, and a final judgment, Second Temple Judaism preached a message that demanded all to listen. In a lecture entitled, quote, Jesus the Apocalypticist, end quote, New Testament scholar Bart Ehrman summarizes the four major components of Second Temple Judaism's apocalypticism. First, Ehrman points out that Second Temple apocalypticism and Second Temple Judaism, in general, borrowed the concept of dualism from Zoroastrianism. Zoroastrians believed, and still believe, although in small numbers, that Ahura Mazda, or Wise Lord, is at war with an opposing Ameshaspenta, or spirit, called Angramanyu. Ahura Mazda is associated with goodness, light, and order, whereas Angramanyu is associated with evil, darkness, and chaos. Secondly, Ehrman summarizes a second point of Second Temple Judaism, pessimism. In this worldview, there is essentially no way for human beings to overcome evil in the world without direct divine intervention. Thirdly, Ehrman speaks of vindication, the view that every single person on earth who has ever lived will be judged and there is no escape from it. Lastly, Ehrman notes the point of imminence. Apocalypticists believe that the end of the world would come very soon. It would be imminent. To be clear, not all Jews in the Second Temple period believed in an imminent final judgment. In fact, some Jews 
like the Sadducees, outright rejected any book outside of the Torah and, by extension, rejected any Zoroastrian influence in Judaism and post-exilic Judaism altogether. However, it was the Essenes and, according to Bart Ehrman, Jesus and his earliest followers who believed in an imminent judgment of the dead and quick restoration of the world to his Edenic state. The Essenes, as evident from the writings of the Dead Sea Scrolls, clearly held to this viewpoint. Origins of the Essenes, 150 BCE. In the year 167 BCE, Jewish rebel forces drove out the Greek occupiers in an event called the Maccabean Revolt, establishing the Kingdom of Israel as a once again independent state. Although named after the powerful Maccabees family, it was actually the Hasmonean family who led the Maccabean Revolt. After establishing the independent state of Israel, the Hasmoneans set themselves up as the ruling dynasty. This angered those who believed that the king of Israel should be of the line of David and that the high priest needed to be descended from a man named Zadok, a high priest of Israel mentioned in the Hebrew Bible. Since neither requirements could be fulfilled by the Hasmoneans, Jewish sectarian groups began to form, prompting one such group to split off from mainstream Judaism and form their own community. Around the year 150 BCE, a mysterious figure known only as the Teacher of Righteousness left the city of Jerusalem with his followers and established a community in the caves of Qumran after enduring persecution by Hasmonean supporters. However, some remained in Jerusalem and lived in surrounding towns. In fact, there was a gate in the city of Jerusalem called the Essene Gate, which was known up until the 1st century CE. The Essenes copied down a variety of books from the Hebrew Bible, perhaps most famously the Book of Isaiah, and stored these texts in clay vessels. They would also write their own texts, which expressed theological views that distinguished them from other apocalypticists, but those are expounded upon later in this video. The Qumran Complex The Qumran Complex is located 39 miles from east from Jerusalem and is comprised of 12 caves. The Qumran complex contains the scriptorium, which is the main building containing a long room lined with benches formed from mud buildings. The scriptorium was the place where the Essenes would translate the writings of the Old Testament slash Hebrew Bible slash Tanakh into scrolls, which they would store in jars. Secondly, the caves contained ritual baths or mikveot, the baths were operated using aqueducts and were significantly larger than most mikveot, likely due to the communal nature of the sect. The Essenes also operated a school called Yahad, which means oneness of God. The Demise of the Essenes, 70 CE. 
In the year 66 CE, the Jewish-Roman War broke out in which the Jews led a large-scale revolt against the Romans, causing the Romans to kill one million Jews and destroy the Second Temple in the year 70 CE. This was an incredible, this was an incredibly important event for both Jews and Christians as the Gospels record that Jesus of Nazareth prophesied the destruction of the Temple some 40 years beforehand, something that New Testament scholar and scholar of early Christianity Elaine Pagels believes the historical Jesus actually stated the destruction of the temple dramatically altered Jewish ways of worship and further catalyzed the apocalyptic expectations of the first three generations of Christians. Major problems stretching across society, economics, and even religion gave rise to the rebellion. While Palestine became Hellenized in the 4th century BCE as a result of the Seleucid Empire, it was Roman overbearance that caused the Pharisees to see Hellenism as a threat to Judaism. In fact, Hellenistic Judaism flourished in the early 1st century CE with Philo of Alexandria, although his writings were deemed too esoteric to be used as an influence on the Mishnah, a staple text of early rabbinic literature. In addition to the perceived threat of Roman-driven Hellenism on the Jewish religion, it is also important to note that the Emperor Caligula wanted to erect a statue of himself in the temple around the year 40 CE, leading to protests and a decision to call off the event. Regarding political abuse, Roman governors, including Pontius Pilate, possessed a record of being unreasonable, neglectful, and oppressive. For example, Pilate's successor, Gessius Florus, who assumed the governorate in 64 CE, only two years before the Roman-Jewish War, was described by Josephus, a contemporary Jewish historian and soldier, as incompetent. Since class distinctions and unequal economic policies played a major role in sparking the war, Jewish elites who maintained loyalty to the emperor and became culturally Romanized reaped large benefits from their relationship with the Romans, causing them to shift their allegiance to Rome. Although not directly related, it is interesting to note that many Jews from the 3rd century BCE to the 1st century CE took on a Greek name in addition to their given Hebrew name, while a smaller portion of the population also took a Latin name. We see this in the book of Acts in the New Testament with Silas, a companion of Paul of Tarsus, also identifying as Silvanus, and a man who is called Justus in the epistle to the Colossians, although his real name is coincidentally Jesus, although this was a relatively common name. Now back to social and economic causes of the Roman-Jewish War. It is important for us to note that the Sadducees, who held a majority of the seats in the Sanhedrin, were pro-Rome, whereas the Pharisees were staunchly against Rome and may have even merged into the Zealot Party. In terms of economics, the average first-century Palestinian did not profit from one's labors because the majority of the profits of the goods sold in the markets in Jerusalem went to Romanized elites. Understandable anger at these injustices flared up in 66 CE when riots broke out in Caesarea and the Zealots, a party of anti-Roman, anti-elite, non-Hellenized Jews, defeated Roman-backed Greek forces. In an egotistical and emotional reaction to this event, Gessius Florus seized money from the temple and used it to erect a statue of himself and Nero in the adjacent area. Florus then forced Jews nearby the temple to worship the emperor, which resulted in massive rebellion with 
with the Jews attacking Roman cities throughout Judea, especially in northern towns, and overthrew the government in areas such as Narbada, a district of Caesarea, and was home to Jews, Samaritans, and pagans. The Romans sent their legions in Syria to retaliate against the zealots' victory in Caesarea, but were defeated on the coast of Judea at the Battle of Ben-Horon, and retreated to Syria. At the behest of Nero, Vespasian and his son Titus marched into Caesarea in northern Galilee, killing nearly every rioter, which amounted to 10,000 people being killed or sold into slavery, while the surviving rioters fled to Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, the people refused to pay taxes and killed as many Roman soldiers as they could and took over Jerusalem from the Romans. Although by 67 CE, Vespasian and Titus had taken back all of Judea and began to march towards Jerusalem with growing momentum. Seeing impending destruction and the improbability of defeating the Romans, the Sadducees in Jerusalem pleaded for the Zealots to surrender to avoid mass murder. By now, all the moderate leaders of the Zealots had been killed, leaving the group with radicals who wanted victory or death, leading to the Zealots' refusal to surrender. In 69 CE, civil war broke out in the Roman Empire, and Vespasian, who later became the emperor, went off to fight for the crown, while his son Titus led the campaign against the Jewish rebels. In 70 CE, the Romans were up against the gates of Jerusalem and, after seven days, broke into the city, desecrated and burnt the temple to the ground, killed one million Jews, according to Josephus, and enslaved thousands of Jews. In fact, 70,000 Jews were forced to build the Colosseum in Rome. In 73 CE, the zealots were hauled up in a fortress in in Masada, holding out for their last stand against the Romans. Among them may have been Essenes, while a man named John the Essene may have been a general in Galilee. However, a, major a majority of the Essenes were massacred in 66 CE by a Roman legion, and many survivors were killed at Masada in 73 CE. In the next section, we will be in the next section, we will dissect evidence that the Essenes were actually planning to fight the Romans and believe that they were partakers in the final battle between good and evil that would usher in the complete and utter end of the world. Beliefs. Number one, apocalypticism. The Essenes believed that the apocalypse was at hand and believed everyone else was under the in was under the influence of Satan. The ancient Christian polemic strategy of claiming that Satan was controlling the pagans was actually first used by the Essenes, who claimed that everyone was under the influence of the devil, including non-Essene Jews, and believed that the impending messianic millennium would only be for them. The following text reveals how the Essenes believed that they were on the last line of the last chapter of history. And quote, and he is said for and he is well known for his patience, and might is his and might in his anger and splendid. He in his numerous acts of mercy and terrible in his wrathful purposes and honored and over the land he made him a ruler and God is honored among his holy people and splendid among his chosen yes splendid holy great in the blessing of their splendor and when the era of wickedness is at an end and evil doing end quote 
scroll 4Q301F3, the Book of Secrets. Number two, initiation. According to Josephus, after three years of training, new members would be inducted into the group. They may have even contained a series of levels of initiation with special privileges allotted to members of higher ranks. Number three, hierarchy of revelation. The Essenes believed, as many Jews also believed, that the Torah held the highest degree of divine inspiration, and next was the rest of the Torah, which was less inspired. Lastly, the Essenes believed that they were the last remnant of true Judaism, and that vested within them was the power of prophecy. This was evident with their prophetic writings, which were the transcription of alleged visions that they experienced. Number four, mysticism. The Essenes also practiced mysticism, as evident from the following text. Quote, Lights of the stars for a memorial of his name, hidden things of the mysteries of light and the ways of darkness, the times of heat with the periods of cold, the breaking of day and the coming of night, the origins of things. End quote. Scroll 4Q299F5, The Book of Secrets. The Essenes, similarly to Philo of Alexandria, would memorize the names of angelic beings, although in their case, certain angelic beings would be kept secret from non-initiates. 5. Parables. The Essenes spoke in parables, possibly to conceal secret messages that would later be revealed to initiate members. Several examples of parables read as follows, quote, I shall speak out freely and I shall express my various sayings among you. Those who would understand parables and riddles and those who would penetrate the origins of knowledge, along with those who hold fast to the wonderful mysteries, those who walk in simplicity as well as those who are devious in every activity of the deeds of humanity, those with a stick neck, a hard pate, and all the mass of the Gentiles with, end quote, scroll 4Q301, F1, the Book of Secrets. Quote, the customs of the fool and the inheritance of the wise. Now what good is the riddle to you, you who search for the origins of knowledge? What is the great honored, for it is the dominion a parable? Why is it splendid to you, for it is? Why is a prince ruler without strength, and he dominates with him a whip that costs nothing? Who could say who among you seeks the presence of light and illumination, the plan of memory without by the angels of those who praise? Scroll 4A301F2, the Book of Secrets. Quote, Consider the soothsayers, those teachers of sin, say the parable, declare the riddle before we speak, then you will know if you have understood your foolishness, for the vision is sealed up from you, and you have not properly understood the mystery, the eternal mysteries, and you have not become wise in understanding, for you have not properly understood the origin of wisdom. But if you should unseal the vision, all your wisdom for to you, hear now what wisdom is, end quote, scroll 4Q300, F1, column 2, the Book of Secrets. 6. Ritual Washing. Similarly to the earliest Christians, the Essenes practiced a three-year initiation period as well as water baptism, as from their book, quote, Community Rules, which was unsurprisingly a compilation of the rules of the community. The Essenes emphasized the pureness of heart and intention of each person before their immersion. 
before their immersion. Baptism was insufficient unless the person acted piously before the act took place. The Essenes baptized on a daily basis, similarly to later Jewish Christian sects, and their practices are recorded by Josephus in the following excerpt. Quote, Toward the deity, at least, pious observances uniquely expressed. Before the sun rises, they utter nothing of the mundane things, but only certain ancestral prayers to him, as if begging him to come up. After these things, they are dismissed by the curators at the various crafts crafts that they have each come to know, and after they have worked strenuously until the fifth hour, they are again assembled in one area where they where they belt on linen covers and wash their bodies in frigid water. End quote. The Jewish War, Book 2, Chapter 8. Number 7, Communal Living. After this purification, they enter, according to Josephus again, the Essenes lived in a communal fashion. Quote, After this purification, they gathered in a private hall, into which none of those who hold different views may enter. Now pure themselves, they approach the dining room as it were some kind of sanctuary. After they have seated themselves in silence, the baker serves the loaves in order, whereas the cook serves each person one dish of one food. The priest offers a prayer before the food, and it is forbidden to taste anything before the prayer. When he has had his breakfast, he offers another concluding prayer while starting and also while finishing. They Then they honor God as the sponsor of life. At that, laying aside their clothes as if they were holy, they, they apply themselves to their labors again until evening. They dine in a similar way. When they have returned, they sit down with the vistors. If any happen to be present with them, and neither yelling nor disorder pollutes the house at any time, but they yield conversation to one another in order, and to those from outside, the silence of those inside appears to be appears as a kind of shiver-inducing mystery. The reason for this is their is their conscious sobriety and rationing of food and drink among them to the point of fullness. End quote. The Jewish War, Book Two, Chapter Eight. Another example of the Essenes' communal living is also found in the same book by the historian Josephus. Quote, since they are despisers of wealth, their communal stock is astonishing. One cannot find a person among them who, has, who, among them who has more in terms of possession, for by law those coming into the school must yield up their funds to the order with the result that in all their ranks, neither the humiliation of poverty nor the superiority of wealth is detectable, is detectable, but the assets of each one have been mixed in together as if they were brothers to create one fund for all. They consider the olive oil a stain and should anyone be accidentally smeared with it, he scrubs his body for they make it a point of honor to remain hard and dry and to wear white always. Hand-elected are the curators and the communal affairs, and indivisible are they, each and every one, in pursuing their functions to the advantage of all. End quote. The Jewish War, Book 2, Chapter 8. Number 8, Millenarianism. The Essenes believed that the millennium, the prophesied end-times age of the world of worldwide peace about 
brought about by Providence would only be for them. All other Jews were identified as, quote, the breakers of the covenant and would fight on the side of the, quote, sons of darkness during the final day on the day of the Lord. And then the um, everyone else would lose, but the Essenes would get to enjoy eternal uh, the eternal paradise earth. Number nine, the final battle. There is evidence that suggests that the Essenes were preparing to engage the Romans in trench warfare and may have been stockpiling weapons for the occasion, possibly believing that the impending war with the Romans, which materialized in 66 CE, would actually be the final battle that would usher in the end times. The scroll 1QM and 1QS detail in very specific ways the final battle between the Sons of Darkness between the sons of light and the sons of darkness. According to the Essenes, the battle was to take place in a series of three unfolding phases. The first battle was to entail the sons of darkness, led by the Kittim of Assyria. Then the Kittim of Asher would join the forces in Edom, Moab, Ammon, and Philistia, all of whom were enemies of Israel in the Hebrew Bible slash Old Testament slash Tanakh. Furthermore, Jews who are not part of the Essenes would join forces with the evil powers in an attempt to defeat the Sons of Light. The second phase of the battle includes the Kittim of Egypt and the kings of the north joining in the fight. Lasting for 40 days, the war would conclude with six clashes on the final day, resulting in a 3-3 to tie. During the last battle, God, in, God would intervene and the forces of evil would be defeated forever. This apocalyptic imagery is very similar to that of Zoroastrianism and the Book of Revelation. Number 10, two messiahs. The Essenes believe that there would be two messiahs in the end times, one to cleanse the temple and restore the priesthood to its correct state, and the other to wage wars against the enemies of God and to reestablish the Davidic throne. This is not inherently abnormal in the religious and cultural milieu of the time, as many Egyptian Jews in antiquity believed that there would be three messianic figures, each associated with Moses, Aaron, and David. This idea actually caused these respective names to become infrequent among Egyptian Jews because of their messianic connotation, and as it might not be a good idea to name your child after one such figure, which is sort of like presupposing uh, or, or, or sort of a sort of a jumping the gun, sort of, a, sort of perhaps jinxing um, the, uh, the idea of, of them being the Messiah um, or something to that nature. The Essenes and Christianity. The Essenes and Christianity possess many striking similarities. That is, of course, early 1st century and early 2nd century Christianity. In this section, the Essenes and early Christianity possess many similarities. In this section, we'll be looking at many fascinating similarities between the two groups. Number one, water baptism. As we see in the Gospels and in later religions like the Alkacites and the Mandaeans, the ancient Jews practiced frequent ritual washings. The Essenes performed ritual washings or baptisms daily as evidenced by the following fragment, quote, By the Holy Scripture of the community in his truth shall he be cleansed of all his sins, and by the spirit of uprightness and humility shall his, shall his iniquity be atoned. 
By his soul's humility towards all the precepts of God shall his flesh be cleansed when sprinkled with lustral waters and sanctified in flowing water. And he shall establish his steps to walk perfectly in all the ways of God according to his command concerning his regular feasts, and he shall step aside neither to right nor to left, and shall make no step from all his words, then he will please God with agreeable expiation, and it will obtain for him the covenant of the eternal community. End quote. Scroll 1QS 3, 7 through 12. Clearly the Essenes practiced a form of frequent baptism, which was designed to purify themselves of their sins, similarly to Christian baptism, However, multiple baptisms was officially prohibited by the Nicene Creed, which is one of the oldest extant Christian creeds outside of the New Testament, and was formulated sometime in the 4th century at the Council of Nicaea on June 19, 325, when the creed was first published. Interestingly, John the Baptist, a figure who is likely a former Essene as explored later, did not view baptism as a means by which to wash away people's sins, with Josephus writing, quote, John, surnamed the Baptist, was a good man and had exhorted the Jews to lead righteous lives, to practice justice towards their followers and piety towards God, and so doing to join in baptism. In his view, this was a necessary preliminary if baptism was to be acceptable to God, but they must not employ it to gain pardon for whatever sins they committed, but as a consecration of the body, implying that the soul was already thoroughly cleansed by right behavior. End quote. Antiquities, chapter 18, lines 116 through 119. Number two, messianic expectations in relation to the book of Isaiah. Scroll chapter 4, Q285 tells the story of a Messiah drawn heavily from the book of Isaiah, although carbon chapter 14 dating and paleography, that is the chronological study of handwriting styles, date the scroll to well before the life of Jesus. Scroll 4Q285, albeit fragmented, reads as follows, quote, Isaiah the prophet, the thickets of the forest will be cut down with an axe, and Lebanon by a majestic one will fall, and there shall come forth a great shoot from the stump of Jesse, the branch of David, they will enter into judgment with. And the prince of the congregation, the branch of David, will kill him by strokes and by wounds, and a priest of renown will command the slain of the kittim. The term kittim is used often in Jewish apocalyptic literature and is used to refer to Gentile enemies. This comes up later in the Essenes' notion of the final battle. This word came up in the Essenes' notion of the final battle. Number three, Eucharistic meal. In scroll 1Q2, Eight, also called, quote, rule of the congregation, the, quote, Messiah of Israel will institute a meal that sounds quite similar to that of the Eucharist. The text reads as follows, quote, and when they shall gather for the common table to eat and to drink new wine, when the common table will be set for eating and the new wine poured for drinking, let no man extend his hand over the first fruits of the table and wine before the priest, for it is he who shall bless the first fruits of over the fruits of bread and wine before the priest, for it is he who shall bless the fruits of bread and wine and shall be the first to extend his hand over the first fruits of bread and wine before the priest, for it is he who shall 
bless the first fruits of bread and wine and shall be the first to extend his hand over the bread. Therefore, thereafter, the Messiah of Israel shall extend his hand over the bread and all the congregation of the community shall utter a blessing, each man in the order of his dignity. It is according to the statute, to the statute that they shall proceed at every meal at, at which at least ten men are gathered together, end quote. Number four, the Messiah performing miracles. There are several interesting similarities between Luke chapter 7 and scroll 4a. 521, which are curing people, causing the blind to see, raising the dead, and giving good news to the poor. Some of these parallels are likely derived from Isaiah, which contained blind eyes opening in Isaiah chapter 35, verse 5, and good news being told to the poor in Isaiah 61, verse 1, although the rest were similarities only between the writings of the scenes and the and the stories of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. Number five, monasticism. The Essenes were evidently monastic, and ancient Christianity began to form monasteries in the fourth century in Egypt, leading to the flourishing of great monastic traditions led by Christian saints such as Anthony the Great and the Desert Fathers, Pacomius the Great, and the Desert Mothers. Number six, John the Baptist. John the Baptist, who is recorded to have been Jesus's cousin, in the Gospels, and is a prophet in Christianity, Islam, and the Baha'i faith, as well as the Druze religion, and especially Mandaism, was possibly, if not even likely, a former Essene. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 4, the Gospel writer says of John, quote, his food was locusts and wild honey, end quote. This may seem like an odd detail. Why would John go about eating this food source? This seems very atypical of standard first century Jewish cuisine. However, one of the promises made by individuals entering the Essene community was to never again eat food prepared by anyone outside the community. By simply eating locusts and wild honey, John could exploit a loophole in their system. After all, no one prepares locusts and wild honey, as the modifier, quote, wild denotes, is straight... Notes is straight from nature without any interference by human beings. In fact, Josephus mem- mentions how expelled members of the Essene community would wander the desert eating grass. Interestingly, an expelled man named Banus, who mentored Josephus, wore clothes made of materials garnered from the desert. As it says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 4, quote, Now John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and honey, end quote. Is this a coincidence? Almost certainly not. 7. The birth of the Messiah. It is important to... It is important to note that the Essenes separated from the Pharisees because they believed that they were too liberal, because they used a different calendar. Coincidentally, or perhaps not, the timetable for the arrival of the Messiah in the Dead Sea Scrolls matches up with when Jesus would have been born. As another one of our videos covers... If you line up all the astronomical data in Revelation chapter 12 with the skies of the ancient Near East within the range of the Essenes calendar, you can see that the time at which the constellations in Revelation chapter 12 align with what is visible in the night sky on September 11th, 3 BCE, you will see a very interesting similarity between, you will see a very interesting sight. This day is Rosh Hashanah, the day that the ancient Jews would crown the new Davidic king. And this was also called Tishri 1, which was the new year in the civil calendar during the divided monarchy. 
It is interesting that the timetable for the Messiah contains within its window this date, which lines up with the astronomical data in Revelation chapter 12. Number eight, were the Essenes the early Christians? According to New, according to New World Encyclopedia.org, quote, contemporary authors such as Robert Eisman presented presented differing views affirming that the latest scenes were actually early Christians. Eisman considers the Dead Sea Scrolls to be, quote, Sadducean documents of messianically inspired opposition to Roman Herodian rule in Palestine. He identifies James the Just, the brother of Jesus. According to NewWorldEncyclopedia.org, quote, contemporary authors such as Robert Eisman present differing views affirming that the late Essenes were actually early Christians. Eisman considers the Dead Sea Scrolls to be Sadducean documents of messianically inspired opposition to Roman Herodian rule in Palestine. He identifies James the Just, the brother of Jesus described in the Book of Acts, as the leader of the Jerusalem church, as the righteous one who led this opposition movement until his death at the behest of the high priest and Ananus, who was with, quote, a wicked priest in 62 CE, end quote. It is important to note that although criticized by aforementioned scholar Dr. Michael S. Heiser for his dating methods of the Dead Sea Scrolls, Dr. Robert Eisman is a highly credentialed scholar with a PhD in Middle Eastern Languages and Cultures from Columbia University, so his ideas should not be discounted as fringe just because other scholars do not accept them, although there is good evidence to believe that he basically gained his dating system to deliberately uh, result in the conclusions that he had presupposed beforehand. Additionally, Eisman postulates that the Dead Sea Scrolls speak of a crucified Messiah, something Heiser also rejects. According to scholar of the Hebrew Bible, Dr. Michael S. Heiser, quote, the occupation of that settlement, the Qumran complex, overlaps at least a little bit with the period of Jesus and the disciples. Some researchers even go to the present day, even to the present day, presume that Jesus may have been a member of the Essene community. Specifically, the sect leader, the teacher of righteousness, is identified as or with Jesus. Now, is there anything to this? The overwhelming consensus is that Jesus was not in the scene. You can frankly count in one hand the number of scholars, credentialed people, who would think otherwise. The name is the same as true of John the Baptist. Most scholars reject that idea completely. End quote. I personally am skeptical about the whole thing with John the Baptist not being in the scene. But hey, obviously Michael S., Dr. Michael S. Heiser knows what he's talking about. Um, so, yeah, we can agree to disagree on that one. With that being said, this has been a rather long episode on the Dead Sea Scrolls in early Christianity. I hope you found this episode interesting. If you do, please make sure to, if you're watching on YouTube, please make sure to hit the subscribe button. And if you, and if you are, um, and also make sure to click the notification bell. And if you are watching on, or rather listening on Spotify, please make sure to follow our podcast. And with that being said, stay tuned.